FC Pinskow suffer their first setback of the season on match day two. Here's all the action from Saalfelden and around the grounds. Welcome to this post-match edition of the FCPS show. I'm your host today, Tom Midler, and I'm joined by Lee Wingate in the studio to discuss all the action of match day two in the Regional League Salzburg and beyond. First and foremost, we have to discuss, of course, the return of competitive football to the Saalfelden Arena, the first time in such a long time. And we had fans in the stadium as well to create a brilliant atmosphere for match day two. Yeah, Austria, Salzburg always have good away support of their games. It's a storied club with, with lots of history and lots of supporters too. And it was so nice to see them in, in fine voice for this game. I think there was a sellout crowd of 500 fans at the, the Saalfeld Arena. So really nice to, to have fans back. And also so much work goes into that hygiene concept that the world owns of the club as well for, for getting that sorted successfully. It's hard to tell on the stream, but... Plenty of FC Pinsgau Saalfeld and fans as well, tucked away behind the camera, unfortunately. The camera pointed directly at the away supporters who were, who were numerous and were very loud, as, uh, as Lee's alluded to there, with the way that uh, Austria Salzburg operate. You know, they bring a big band of fans with them every time. But uh, plenty of FC Pinsgau fans out in force as well for the first game. And the Buy a Beer for a Friend initiative went really, really well. Hundreds of beers bought from international fans around the world for FC Pinsgau, buying them for the fans who were there on the day to, to celebrate the home opener and enjoy that. So a big thank you to our worldwide fan base for participating in that initiative. It was really, really good to see, and the fans had a great time. Unfortunately, despite defeat, because it finished FC Pinsgau nil. Austria Salzburg 2, not quite the home debut we were looking for at the start of this season. A, a difficult way to get going at the Saalfelden Arena, wasn't it, Lee? Yeah, obviously they will have been hoping to build on that opening day win over Valsgrunau, but you have to say that it was a deserved result, unfortunately. Austria Salzburg were the better team on the day and they deserved to come away with the, the three points. I think it's just a shame that for the majority of the match, we didn't see the level of intensity uh, and pressure that we saw in the final 10 minutes. I think quite a lot of fans were, were writing about that on the Facebook stream and online because there was so much pressure in that final 10 minutes. It looked like a chance might come or a goal might come every minute or so. So it's just a shame that perhaps we didn't see the best of Christian Zieger's side for the full 90 minutes. Austria Salzburg certainly kept Pinsgau at arm's length for the majority of the first hour at least. We did have chances, though, early on in the game. Denis Karamanovic fired one over the bar. The, uh, the goalkeeper, Christian Schlosser, was on fine form for Austria Salzburg. But nonetheless, it was Austria Salzburg who opened the scoring themselves. Christoph Bann bursting free down the right wing, playing a dangerous cross into the area. And Marco Hudel, the number nine, able to slide it home at the back post for 1-0. But it was deserved. Austria Salzburg at that point uh, had prevented Pinskau from, from really carving out chances on goal and they'd started to dominate themselves hadn't they in that first period yeah I think there was a sort of tentative opening stage where both teams were kind of sussing each other out and then Austria Salzburg just started I think to press really effectively and it became really hard for for Pinsgau to get in any sort of dangerous areas 
And then, like you say, the goal came. And as soon as Christoph Ban hit that cross across the face of goal, you just knew that that was going in. It was right into the danger zone. I think they were having quite a bit of joy down their right, our left, during the, the opening half. And yeah, a deserved opener and a nice finish from Marco Hurdle as well. Yeah, you've got to give credit to Christian Scheider's Austria Salzburg team because they sort of mixed up their, their pressing play that you mentioned there in the first period. And I think they'd worked out that Pinskau quite like to, to build out from the back. You often see Ziga playing the ball back across to a fellow centre-back, maybe across to Karamanovic or out to, to one of the, uh, the wing-backs as well. And that's something that Pinskau like to do. They like that space at the back and, and they like room to sort of pick a good option before going forward. And we saw in the first game that they would sort of hit a longer ball if there wasn't a good option coming up. But Austria Salzburg really denied the the opportunity to do that in this game. So at times they were content to sit back and uh, and defend in numbers. And then sort of just as they were lulling Pinsker almost into a false sense of security, then suddenly you'd have four or five white shirts really pressing high up the pitch and giving the defence no time to, to build from the back. And... In a way, we were kind of lucky in the first half, I thought. There were a couple of occasions where we went for this quick passing play at the back to try, uh, you know, a very honourable style of football, to try and knock it around neatly at the back, pass your way round in triangles and play your way out from the back that way. But there was more than one occasion where the ball went uh, went AWOL at that point and, and gave Austria Salzburg a shooting chance early on in the game. I think it was their Schweikhofer, not our Schweikhofer, who benefited from, from some of those chances. And uh, we were perhaps lucky that College in goal didn't have even more to do in the first period. Yeah, I think I really noticed midway through that, that first half that there were so many misplaced passes because not only were they trying to pass out from the back, but they also quite liked to go through the centre of midfield. I think Austria Salzburg sort of crowded the centre a little bit. And then once they won the ball back, they were able to play it out to their wingers as well. And yeah, Schweikhofer, Alexander Schweikhofer had, I think, two good chances to, to score that sort of sailed quite narrowly wide of, of College's goal. So they were very much worthy of that half-time lead. Yeah, and into the second half, obviously, we were looking to turn things around and, uh, and get going, but we never really got a foothold. And it wasn't too long into the second half before Florian Wiedel put in another cross, uh, an early cross from the right flank, a really good curling ball in towards the penalty spot. And Marco Hudel was there again to tuck it away. Uh, one of two Austria Salzburg players who, were, who was in position to score. Yeah, and on the, the topic of Florian Wiedel, obviously in the, in the press at the moment, a lot's been said about Pinsgau being the, the title favourites. Wiedel is one of four players in that starting eleven that were brought in from rivals Sack over the summer who won the regular season last term. Um, there were actually five players from SAC that they signed, but Thomas Gastager didn't make it into the matchday squad. So perhaps it's not so surprising that they are performing so well and that they got such a good result because they, they have got the core of that SAC squad from, from last season. It was a lovely cross from Wiedel. I think um, put Hordel in a, in a fantastic position to, to double the lead. And, and from then on, it became very difficult because 2-0 down with a team that, that, is, that were already looking like they were in full control, I think it was a tough one. Yeah, definitely worth mentioning those SSR players because in the end, they were the players that made the difference uh, to, 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 to quite some extent. You know, Christoph Bann looked really dangerous on the right wing for the whole game for, for Salzburg and his cross led to the opener. So the two assists directly from SSR players from last season and, and Hurdle, the top scorer of an Austria Salzburg side who really uh, did some good work over the corona break and over the summer break as well to to strengthen and kind of go under the radar this season. But they're looking really, really good after two games. 
But still, it was uh, two down with almost half an hour left to play. And Pinscow didn't quite give up, did they? They were in a difficult spot and it was always going to take a lot to turn things around at that point. But once we got to about 75 minutes, there were some more substitutions made. Uh, Nicholas Seiler came on a little bit before that. And uh, Pinscow had some chances to get back into the game, didn't they? And the best one probably fell to Harry Cooksley around about the 70th minute mark. Yeah, Harry will no doubt be kicking himself for that one because he brought a, a long ball out of the sky really well, a ball over the top of the defence and was clean through on Christian Schlosser, but just went straight at him and really low and at a nice speed as well. So that was uh, a very, very much a missed opportunity. There were chances after that as well. I think probably the one where I thought the goal was going to come was when there was a, a bit of a scramble in the penalty area in the 78th minute. And the ball sort of fell, sat up nicely for Gardenstetter to shoot from the edge of the box. And that was sort of cleared away in the in the six-yard box, a player putting his body on the line. And I think at that point I started to think, well, maybe this is just not our day because it just wasn't happening. There were there were chances and that, that on any other given day might well have gone in, but, but this time around just weren't happening for us. Yeah, it was at least a positive sign that Pinsgau could close out the game with such strength, but... When you look back to the first half, Cooksley played a great ball across with his left foot uh, across the area on the stretch. And Kirchner was there, uh, denied by a great save from Schlosser. Tandari just couldn't quite tap in the loose ball. Uh, it just slid away from him in the danger area. That was in the first half. Schubert had a good header in the first half as well from a corner ball. Couldn't quite create enough power on it to beat the goalkeeper. But it wouldn't quite work in front of goal in the first half. And that pattern even repeated itself even worse in the second half. And in, in those final 15 minutes, you talked about one scramble. But I remember from the commentary box, about three or four at least, where the ball just would not fall to a home shirt in the penalty area. It just didn't quite work out for us. So on the one hand, that's really disappointing. But on the other hand, you've got to feel like teams like Austria Salzburg are not unbeatable. And I, I really would have liked to have seen what happened there in a game where Austria Salzburg looked in full control Credit to them all over the pitch. They were playing very, very well. Had Pinscout got that goal back, maybe through Cooksley, 20 minutes or so to go, or even later on, there were chances all throughout the sort of the last 20 minutes of the game. And if any of them had gone in, I have a feeling that Austria Salzburg would have really come under a different kind of pressure then. And then mentally and physically, it becomes a very different challenge for them. And of course, it would have lifted the, the sails of Pinscout as well. And I just feel like if one of those had gone in, we probably would have come away with a 2-2 draw. You know, it's, uh, it's impossible to say, really. But it wasn't as hopeless as it looked. But uh, plenty for Christian Zieger to work on from that defeat. You know, plenty of learnings to be taken from that game. Because for the most part, you have to admit that Austria Salzburg were the better team tactically and man-to-man uh, and -man as well. Christian Zieger was quite disappointed understandably after the match he said and I thought this quote was interesting every team that plays against us will be motivated with every fiber of their being to make our lives difficult and that was the case today and I think you know these players in the Salzburg Regional League are not used to having their games streamed to a global audience and the fact that that's now the case they're probably wanting to give a good account of themselves and it, it gives them that that little extra push so that's something that Pinsgau are going to have to contend with throughout the season and beyond. I think that's a bigger theme as well that's worth talking about from Austria Salzburg. Of course, we talked in the build-up that Austria Salzburg are not exactly the biggest fans of the Pinscout project, but of course it's been in the media over here in Austria the last few weeks. The interviews with Ziga, the interviews with the club, and they've picked up on these quotes that all say, you know, Pinscout aiming for the Champions League. 
and it's something that's been represented as though Pinskow are, are looking to just sort of breeze through the, the next two leagues and, and see themselves as a Bundesliga contender and deserving of a place in the Champions League, which is certainly not the feeling coming from inside the club. You know, everyone, everyone on the ground at Pinskow is talking about doing the hard work day in, day out to get where we want to be eventually. When the newspapers pick up on these quotes, you know, once you say the word Champions League, once the word Champions League is out there and it's been mentioned, that's what the papers are going to run with. And I think especially that Austria Salzburg, a team who, uh, in their former guys, you know, they have played European football and they have been there. They see themselves as the sort of rightful heirs of, of, of Champions League football and the team who deserve that in the future and the team whose pathway should point them to Champions League football. So when another team in their own third division is, is sort of talking about that, you can see why it gets their backs up a bit. And it's... Uh, it's not the most popular project in the purple and white part of, uh, of Salzburg. But at the same time, I think from, from several years of, of living here in Austria, we know that it's a country that in some areas does have quite a conservative mentality and they probably regard Pinsgau as these young upstarts who are looking to you know upset the apple cart. But that's, like you say, the, the, the word Champions League has really been latched onto here and it's just a case of doing the, the work day in, day out to hopefully one day get as far as possible and maybe even play European football. It's not like that's a, a concrete target to be to be playing in, in three years. And so I, I guess in a way it was, it was a little bit disappointing to see the, the banner that Austria Salzburg fans unfolded um, at the, the stadium, which read, OSCL Traum bleibt fantasie, wo wir schon waren, spielt in nie, which translates into English as your Champions League dream remains a fantasy. You'll never be where we played. And um, obviously sounds much better in the rhyming German. But but yeah, there was a, there was a question about that for, or a tweet from one of our followers. I noticed the banner that came out. I hope that didn't leave a stain on the atmosphere, said Alec James underscore 94 on Twitter. And uh, I think in, in some ways it, it was a bit of a shame to see that. But so, like you say, to be expected, really. What I thought interesting about that from a football fan's point of view as well is that they only unfilled that banner after the game, which means presumably if Pinskow had won, they might not have had the, the confidence to do it. So <laughs> who knows on that note? Maybe they would have done it anyway. But the atmosphere at the stadium was not bad at all. It wasn't soured. It's great to see football fans in there. It's great that there's a team like Austria Salzburg in this division who brings so much passion and so much enthusiasm to the football. It's understandable if they don't quite get the Pinscale project yet you know that the nature of, of having fans from abroad enjoying Austrian football is something that even the Bundesliga teams don't understand you know we we've been covering Austrian football in English for a long time now and people look at us as if we're crazy and they really don't understand that we have a massive audience of people who really enjoy Austrian football outside of, of Austria people don't quite understand that concept that that other people can be interested enough in football to actually just enjoy it wherever it is you know in a beautiful setting in a beautiful surroundings you know and that goes for for basically the whole of Austria so it, it didn't leave a stain really on the atmosphere it was a really good atmosphere on the day the home fans had a great time the away fans had an even greater time because they came away with the three points but first and foremost really good to see competitive action back at the Saalfelden Arena. We will be back there very soon and we will be hoping for some better results on the pitch. But uh, in the end, yeah, it was a good one. What about some other things that people were saying online after the game, Lee? There are certainly some, some more positive ones. So Eric Krajewski, Eric, I'm sorry if I've not pronounced your surname right there. He said, my father, who is also an FCPS fan owner, and I got to watch a regional league match 4,200 miles from where we live. 
The stream was great. The commentary by mid underscore five, top class. Well done there, Tom. And uh, let it sink in. Absolutely incredible. So it's nice to see that Eric and his dad tuned in for that one and, and did not let the result uh, detract from their experience. Nice to see. And uh, Nate Tipton, whose handle is Tipsy the Brewer, said there were some rough moments on the pitch, but I'm sure Ziga and the boys will adjust and improve. Stadium looked beautiful, as it, it, it did, didn't it? It's nice to see, as we said, fans back there. And yeah, there were some rough moments, but when you're in a, you know, when you have an aim like promotion, there are always going to be setbacks on the way. It's not like you're going to win every game. And knowing that Austria Salzburg had four or five even sack players from last season in their squad, they're obviously going to be a good team and, and setbacks are to be expected. So we just hope that we'll bounce back. And obviously there's a chance to do that very, very soon because there's, there's midweek fixtures this time around. Yeah, absolutely true. We'll move on to that midweek fixture and look ahead to that later on in this podcast. But for now, just going back to that, there's some really good examples from what yeah Eric Krajewski said there, watching the game from 4,200 miles away. That's what FC Pinskow is all about right now. And it is a difficult and an unusual balance to celebrate the club at the local area in Salfelden and create a really enjoyable match day atmosphere here in Salfelden to, to enjoy watching the football live. You know, that's what, it, that's what it's all about. And at the same time, we're lucky enough to have this brilliant audience of dedicated people all around the world who love the club. So it's a, it's a very unusual balance and it's something that I think is really exciting. And of course, still early days yet, both in terms of the Pinskow project overall and even more so in terms of this season. Because yes, it is our first setback of the season, but it's only match day two. And I certainly don't get the impression from speaking to Ziga or any of the players that anyone was expecting the regional league to be a walk in the park this season. But if anybody did have that in the back of their minds and they were thinking, we're going to do this and, and we're going to sort of walk to this title, well, we've been proven on match day two that that is not the case. That's definitely not how it's going to be. And I think in the long term, that can only be a good thing for this side. It might be something that really focuses everybody and, uh, and just sort of puts into perspective the size of the challenge ahead, even this season, because it looks like a, a lot of teams in the regional league in Salzburg have, have gone away and they've improved. It's not just Pinsgau who are trying to move forward in this league this season. We've got a couple of other questions, not specifically related or in, not in every case related to the match itself on Saturday. But uh, Colin Martz said on Twitter, he was asking about what's the deal with seniors playing for the junior side because the Pinsgau 1B team, who we'll talk a little bit about later, they won 7-1. But there were quite a few of the senior players in their squad for that game. That was on Friday. And so he's asking, what's the deal with seniors playing for the junior team and why are only five subs on the bench for the seniors when all of these seniors are in the juniors? That's a good question from Colin there. And there's, a, there's kind of a multifaceted answer to this one. So there's a lot of regulations. The junior team are allowed to play a few players who were born... Before 1999, everyone who's born 1999 or later is allowed to play for the juniors anyway. But if a side uh, have not used a player for more than 45 minutes in the senior team, then that player who's only made a few minutes for the seniors, they're also allowed to play for the juniors. So it can be that you've got junior players playing, uh, you know, sort of in the same weekend for both teams. So really, Christian Sieger's got the opportunity to use that as, a, as another extra training ground, as another extra match fitness program and another max match practice program as well so it's a very useful addition and of course Pinsgau we want the junior side to be doing well too so if we can benefit the junior side with the addition of a couple of seniors and keep them match sharp in the meantime then that's just a sort of win-win situation 
But the, the way that that rolls over into the substitutes question actually is perhaps a little bit surprising and a bit different. So we've got five substitutes on the bench for FC Pinsgau seniors, and the truth is you're not allowed to have any more than that, which is very unusual. I know seven is the usual number of which you can usually then change three players. At the moment with the coronavirus restrictions and things, that's been loosened so you can have five substitutions, but with only five substitutes on the bench, that makes that virtually impossible because you've pretty much got a goalkeeper and then four outfield players on the bench every week. So realistically, we won't see more than four outfield players on the bench at any given time, and we won't see, therefore, more than four changes unless something happens to a goalkeeper in the midst of that 90 minutes. So it's quite an interesting, uh, quite an interesting quandary, but there's only 16 spaces on the matchday squad because of a... Uh, an old-fashioned computer that is running the regional league in Salzburg, which is very, very strange. So basically, the computer can't handle a match day squad size of 18. So there only can be 16 registered players for every match day. And that is why we've only got five substitutes on the bench, regardless of who's played in the junior team. So a very weird quirk of the Salzburg regional league there, but the computer said no. So, so that was that. Nathan, Natron1212, wrote, with the club's limited budget, what is the role of analytics and film? at the club. So Mike Pilko has been hired this year. He's a coach and he provides video analysis for the team. So the games are videoed not just for the live stream, but they use the videos also to analyze the match in training. So you can be sure they'll be doing that probably right now as we speak, looking back at the game against Austria Salzburg, trying to work out tactically and uh, sort of positionally and, and player by player what went wrong and where they could have improved and, and how they could have foreseen some of Salzburg's strengths a bit more and they'll be using that to prepare for the game against Grudig so there is uh, there is some use of, of videos and, and analytics from from match day film that's for sure that definitely happens at this level for Pinsgau I should really point out as well that if any of you out there are fan owners I'm sure there's lots of fan owners in the club already listening to this podcast if you're not fan owners you can go to wefunder.com forward slash fan owned club and then you can find out everything you need to get involved as a fan owner really worth checking out. But if you are already a fan owner, you can, of course, be part of the calls, the, the fan owner club calls, where you can speak to Christian Zieger, you can speak to the people behind the scenes at the club, you can speak to the people that really make the decisions. And these kind of questions would also be excellent for one of these fan owner calls because you could get the answers not just from us or from recycled information, but you can get this kind of uh, uh, these answers straight from Christian Zieger and straight from the people who make the calls. So that's something that's worth checking out. Shall we move on to the rest of what happened in the Salzburg Regional League this week? Sure, there were some interesting results there. I think we'd probably have to lead with Bischofshofen's 2-0 win over SV Valsgrunau, who are, of course, our match day one opponents. This ended a 30-game winless run in the league for Bischofshofen and a 20-game winless run in the league at home. So that was a, a very, very important result for them and, and credit to them for, for turning that around. That's probably going to do wonders for improving morale within the club. There were a couple of other interesting results as well. SV Seekirchen for SV Grodig, who are our next opponents, of course, three. That was, um, yeah, I think Grodig were re reduced to nine men in that game, weren't they? Yeah, that's right. Felix Herbersberger and Nicholas Presselmeyer being sent off in the second half for Grodig. So it was a, a topsy-turvy encounter, 4-3, but... Grudig, our next opponents very soon, will be without those two players, Presselmeyer and Hebersberger. So uh, a bit of uh, a weakened Grudig side who are struggling at the moment. 
Yeah, in Herbersberger's case, that was also two yellow cards in the space of a minute, the second for unsporting behaviour. So perhaps a, a lack of discipline costing him there. Yeah, bizarre game though. Grudig uh, finding themselves in front and then 3-1 down, brought it back to 3-2, 4-2 down and then got it back to 4-3, even with uh, with their reduced numbers count, but they couldn't level it up to uh, to secure what would have been an amazing 4-4 draw away at Seekirchen. So that's how Grudig look going into our next game. We'll have a bit more on Grudig in a moment. Elsewhere, I noticed that SRK were back to winning ways, a 5-0 victory over St. Johan with five different scorers. Yes, St. Johan must absolutely hate these games because they lost 5-1 and 6-1 to Esaka last season. So that's a 16-2 defeat, a combined scoreline over their last three games. They must absolutely hate these trips. Elsewhere, it was Anif 1, Kuchel 1. Kuchel 1 of the sides who were victorious on match day one. So that leaves the table at the moment with Austria Salzburg in first place with six points from their two games, a plus four goal difference as well. Kuchel, who I just mentioned, in second on four points. Seekirchen also on four points. Esakar back to winning ways in fourth with three points. Bischofshofen up there with three as well. Pinsgau in sixth, also with three. St. Johan in seventh, also with three. Of course, uh, no surprise that things are very, very close in the table at the moment. Eighth place, Anif with two draws from their first two games. And then pointless at the bottom, you've got Estval Grudig with no points and Valskrunau as well. So perhaps not the best news for, for Pinsgau, actually, that Valskrunau were beaten by Bischofshofen. If you expect Bischofshofen to be one of the weaker sides this season, that maybe puts our 3-1 our win on the first day into a bit of perspective against Valskrunau as well. So plenty of work for Pinsgau to do. And really important that they bounce back this week on Tuesday night against Grudig. Our match preview for that game against Grudig will be coming very soon. Obviously, it's a very quick turnaround between the game against Austria Salzburg and the next one away at Grudig. But they're an interesting side, Grudig. They've been up to the Bundesliga themselves. Lukas Schubert, our right back, has played for them not very long ago, back when they did go up through the leagues and get into the Bundesliga. They even reached European qualifiers not too many years ago before then being relegated and, and declaring the club insolvent and re-registering further down in the league spectrum, which was not a particularly popular thing to do as well. I remember the, the regional league back in those days, it was only in as far back as the 2016-2017 season, so not long ago at all. But in that season, Grudig were relegated and then decided to skip the second division and go all the way down to the third division. And the rest of the teams, you know, our kind of rivals and opponents now, were looking at their league in the regional league Salzburg and saying, hang on, we've got a perfectly well-functioning regional league here. We don't need you. You're supposed to be playing in the division above. Can you just kindly stay there? So it was, a, it was quite controversial at the time, you know, Grudig had used this, this, this sort of a financial clause to say it's actually better for us not to play in the second division, it's, it's financially more viable for us to just move straight down to the third division. So people were not too happy, it was a bit of a controversial move at the time that they sort of chose their own league position based on what suited them best, but that's a, a bit of a quirk of the Austrian system as well, that with these licences that you have to get to play in the top two divisions, if you revoke your own licence, it, it leaves the whole league in a bit of a mess. And we've seen something similar this season with, with Mattersburg as well, leaving the, the league in a bit of a mess. We mentioned that on the last podcast, of course, a bit of a different scenario there, but nonetheless, uh, just a, an example of uh, the kind of mess that Austrian football leagues can find themselves in sometimes when these teams move around. But in any case, Grudig, an, e uh, an interesting recent example of a team who've gone from the Salzburg Regional League up to the Bundesliga and uh, an interesting opponent for us to face on match day two. How about what happened in the other regional leagues, Lee? You had a look at the regional league in Tyrol, didn't you? 
Yeah, I did. The The Tyrolean Regional League is actually a little bit ahead of the Salzburg Regional League. We've only played two matches so far, but over in Tyrol, they've already played four. That's because they had a midweek round last week and started a week earlier. But there's been some interesting developments since we last chatted about the, the Tyrolean Regional League. I think last time you were telling us about Imps winning their first two games by a combined scoreline of 14-2. They've since lost both of their games, um, losing 1-0 to Kufstein and 4-2 to Vogel. Um, and that now means that uh, SVG Reichenau are top of the table. I think they did pretty well last season as well. But they're top having won three and drawn one of their opening four games. So quite an interesting development to see Imps so absolutely dominant in their first two fixtures of the season and then to, to fall away immediately. Um, obviously, they might bounce back. That could just be a blip, but uh, an interesting development nonetheless. Um, Esval Howe, who finished the regular season fourth last season, and the VSG Tyrol amateurs are still winless at the bottom of the table. And, and both of those teams uh, have only played three fixtures compared to the rest of the league's four, so perhaps they'll be set for a head-to-head soon. Interesting stuff with uh, Virgil and Schwartz, the two teams who were top at the end of last season's regular season, and Schwarz, another one to struggle, down in eighth in the Regional League in Tyrol. Over in the Vorarlberg Regional League, it's another one that's a little bit ahead of us in Salzburg. So some of the teams in the Vorarlberg League have played three games, some of them have played four, so the league table looks a bit of a mess at the moment. Some of the results that stood out included a top-two clash from last season. That was Dornbirner Sportverein against Hohenems, those two finishing first and second in that order in the regular season last year. That ended in a 1-1 draw, and that brought to an end a stunning beginning of the season for Hohenems. They had plus 10 goal difference after just two games, but that draw brought them back down to earth as well. And that meant that uh, they stay top of the table, but just with seven points. Bregenz also got a 3-0 win off the back of a 4-0 defeat. So uh, very up and down form for Bregenz. They are in second place on seven points as well, but they've played one more than Hohenems at the top of the table. Wolfwurt are in third with six points after having played three games Austria Lustenau Amateurs also on six points after having played three games. And interestingly enough, Dornbirner Sportverein, they were the team who topped the table last season and they're languishing down in eighth place with just two points after three games. Whilst we're talking about the other leagues at the regional league level, we had a question from Eric Friedlander talking about the competitiveness of the other leagues and asking whether the regional league in Salzburg is probably the most competitive of the three leagues, you know, of the different leagues at this level. It's difficult to say for this season, so early on after just a couple of match days, but if you look to last season's tables in the, in the regional league west, at least, I don't think you could say that it is the most competitive because last season in the Salzburg league, you had Essaka and you had Pinsgau first and second, but they were quite far ahead of a lot of the other teams, really. So they sort of had the league table to themselves last year. Whereas in the regional league in Tyrol, that wasn't the case. And in Vorarlberg, that wasn't really the case either. So in Vorarlberg, you had five teams who were not too far away from getting those all-important top two places. The gap between second and third who missed out was just three points. And then, uh, yeah, the team in second had 33 points. And then you had 30, 29, 28. So three teams hot on their heels, uh, chasing for that place in the elite Liga, which never happened in the end anyway. 
But uh, that's an indication that the league in Vorarlberg was probably a, a closer and more competitive league than the one in Salzburg last season. And in Tyrol as well, also very close. Again, it was 33 points for the team in second place. And then you have a team on 29, 28, 27, 27, 26. So all these teams kind of hot on the heels and chasing for that place in the group of the teams who get into the top two. And I think that just wasn't really the case in the regional league Salzburg. So you could argue from last season's league tables that the regional league over in Salzburg was was the least competitive. Although I think after match day two already, we can see that that might not be the case this year. Um, it's hard to see. We'll have to wait and see how things pan out. But it certainly looks like a lot of teams who were, who were a bit weaker last year in the Salzburg regional league had have strengthened for this season. And I would expect the table to be much closer than last year when when two teams ran away with it, really. Let's move on now and talk a little bit more about our juniors who, as we mentioned earlier, won 7-1 on Friday against USV Almsommer Hutschlag in the uh, Zweite Landesliga Sud. They've cemented their lead at the top of the table now. 14 goals in their opening two matches. Nice to see Christoph Furstaller, a senior player, score four goals in this one, the first four, in fact, and Bienvenu Kanakamana scored as well. Um, that now puts them, yeah, as I say, top on six points. Yeah, looking good, although we had some cautionary tales for teams who've opened with two big wins and then couldn't follow it up from some of the other leagues. So, uh, yeah, good news anyway for the Pinscout junior side, looking good at the start of the season. What about what happened around the rest of Austrian football? Because we had some brilliant, uh, interesting pre-season friendlies, didn't we, Lee? Yeah, I think the probably the most notable one happened over the weekend on Sunday when Austria-Vienna were beaten 11-2 in a preseason friendly by Borussia Dortmund. Um, I think actually on, on the other Bundesliga Twitter, we said only a few days ago that um, Austria-Vienna were a better run club than Barcelona after that debacle, of course, in the Champions League quarterfinals. Bayern Munich beat Barcelona 8-2. I think we may have you know, spoken too soon there. Austria-Vienna completely collapsing, and that comes just a few days after Borussia Dortmund also beat another Austrian Bundesliga side, Altac, 6-0. So some quite comprehensive defeats for some Austrian top-tier sides there. Yeah, not going well for Austria-Vienna, but for Rapid Vienna, they had their draw for the Champions League qualifying rounds. So that, unbelievably, starting this early, it's already started, in fact, before this season's Champions League has even finished. So we don't have a winner yet, but Rapid Vienna know their opponent for the Champions League qualifying, and that is Lok Zagreb, which is an interesting draw. It was uh, a narrow pot in the end, and one of the possible opponents for Rapid could have been Pauk, the Greek side, where the captain of Rapid Vienna has just moved. So we really thought that fate was going to intervene there and we were going to see Rapid captain from last season, Stefan Schwab, the Salfelden native himself, actually, play against Rapid for Pauk. Thankfully, probably for everybody involved, that didn't happen because that would have been pretty tough on, on everyone. But Lok Zagreb's an interesting tie, you know, second in the Croatian league last season, not too far away from here, Zagreb in Croatia. Um, but then a few things have got in the way to sort of scupper that tie since then because Lok Zagreb have recorded a spate of positive COVID-19 tests. So I was going to say that throws the game into doubt, but they did play their game against parent club Dinamo Zagreb uh, in the league yesterday. So that went ahead. I'm not sure how exactly that happened, but the rules are that you need, I think, 13 players plus a goalkeeper to be allowed to start the match. So presumably, even if they've got to quarantine a lot of their players, they might just go with a, with a sort of small squad for this game, this one-off qualifier knockout against Rapid Vienna. But then to throw a spanner in the works even more, 
Austria have just announced a sort of travel restriction on going to Croatia, so or coming back from Croatia especially, so it's going to be really hard to work out how to actually get that game played, but that's supposed to be coming up uh, next week. Yeah, Austrian citizens have been asked to return from Croatia now, and if they are returning after the deadline, which I think might have been last night, then uh, that means they either have to show a negative coronavirus test from the last 72 hours or go into quarantine for two weeks. So, yeah, a lots, lots of restrictions are going to be placed on the border there for the time being. It could just be a temporary spike, of course, but not good timing for Rapid Vienna. Um, what is expected to happen if Locke are unable to play this tie is that Rapid Vienna would essentially be given a bye and put through to the next round, which would, of course, mean automatic Europa League uh, qualification for next season, which would be great. Um, there's a precedent for this happening as well. The Kosovan champions, KF Dritta, recently had two positive coronavirus tests in their qualifier against Linfield of Northern Ireland, and Linfield was subsequently given a bye through to the next round. So perhaps we might see that happen if NK Lokomotiva, as they're known in full, are unable to contest this game. Yeah, interesting stuff there for Rapid Vienna and their ambitions to play in European football next season. Red Bull Salzburg, though, they had a bit of a weird one of their own, didn't they? So Red Bull Salzburg played against their own under-19 side. There's a reason for this, and that's because the UEFA Youth League tie is coming up soon for Red Bull Salzburg, or their under-19s anyway. Um, they're looking really good in the Youth League. They've beaten some big names this season. They've done really, really well. This is a side that won the Youth League only a few seasons ago with our very own Daniel Reichel involved, of course, from uh, FC Pinsgau. Back in the day, he played for the uh, the Salzburg junior team who who won that big, you know, prestigious European trophy. If you don't know, if you're perhaps watching from, from North America, that's a really important trophy in the career for young players to win the, the Euro UEFA Youth League. You know, that's, that's a massive, massive trophy at club level. So really impressive that Salzburg are still operating there and still in at this stage of the season but to get some of those players ready they played them against their first team that being said a lot of the big first team names were out but still it never sounds that great when you when it finishes Red Bull Salzburg 2 Red Bull Salzburg under 19s 6 so <laughs> it might have given them some good confidence ahead of their youth league tie yeah there were no details released about this game apart from the scoreline because Red Bull Salzburg did not want Olympique Lyon who were the opponents in the in the quarter final of the UEFA Youth League to get any extra information about uh, the Red Bull Salzburg under 19s that they could face in that competition and there are of course some crossovers in terms of players because you have uh, the, the Wunderkind, Karim Adeyemi and Nicholas Seivalt, who are, are members of the senior squad and who train with the senior squad, but are also registered to play in the UEFA Youth League as well. So it's not known from this result which side those players played on. And with the Youth League quarterfinal coming up, you suspect that those players may have been playing for the under-19s. Yeah, a quirky result nonetheless. Salzburg to under-19s, six. Why don't we talk before we wrap up for this podcast about some potential friendlies coming up? Because, as is so often the case at this time of the year, big sides from all over Europe have come to Austria. And you might well have noticed the eagle-eyed amongst you from social media that a certain Liverpool, UEFA Champions League winners just from the season before last, they are in Salfelden at the moment. They're, they're in the Salfelden Leogang region training. And I've seen some of the Salfelden players on, on the Instagram getting in, sort of zooming in on videos of the team training to try and keep an eye on them. It's pretty cool, isn't it, to have them here? Yeah, they may be playing some friendlies. I think there have been reports of a friendly against Red Bull Salzburg at some point while they're here, which would be a rematch of the UEFA Champions League group stages this season. 
And then Ajax as well are in Austria and will be playing on Tuesday, which is the day that FC Pinsgau will be away in Grodig. Uh, Ajax will be playing at the Selfelden Arena against another Austrian Bundesliga side, Wolfsberger Atzee. So that's a high-profile game, but unfortunately that will be entirely behind closed doors. Yeah, we'll definitely try and spread the word about the club to some Ajax fans whilst they're enjoying the facilities at the Southelden Arena. And who knows, we might get to see Liverpool in action at the Southelden Arena as well. We, uh, we have to keep our ears to the ground on that one because nothing confirmed yet. But with Liverpool in the region, we hope to get them playing at the Southelden Arena. And can you imagine the, the photo content that we could get from that game if we've got some of the best players in the world playing at the Southelden Arena? That would be brilliant. Well, we've got all that to look forward to. We'll uh, bring you news, of course, online. If you stick with us on our FC Pinscale pages on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook, you'll be kept abreast of all the details of what's going on. But for now, we'll turn our attentions to SV Grudig against FC Pinscale on Tuesday night in the Regional League. We're back in the hunt for three points once again, and we hope to have you with us on the stream. We know it's difficult for those of you in North America to watch a game on a Tuesday workday But uh, anyone who can make it along to watch will be very, very welcome. We'd love to have you with us and we really appreciate your support. Thanks for listening to the FCPS show. This has been the FCPS show. It's recorded, produced and edited in Vienna, Austria for FC Pinskau Saalfelden. And if you're interested to find out more about Europe's unique fan-owned club model, then why don't you head on over to wefunder.com forward slash fan.owned.club and find out everything that you need to know about this incredible opportunity to become a part owner of a European soccer club.